Hello and welcome to the Snowmass Extreme Podcast. My name is Jason Hartman, but I am better known as Tigger. El Tigre if you're speaking Spanish. In 2002, I moved to the mountains and these are my stories about a little place called Snowmass. Okay, it was December 2002, and I just got hired as a snowmass snowboard instructor. Yeah! But as I already mentioned, I had no place to live. My parents had bought two nights for me at the Pocolote Lodge for the interview, and now I had nowhere to stay. But to be honest, I wasn't even thinking about it. I was ecstatic about getting the job, and nothing else mattered. After reading my name on the hiring list, I got into the ski school locker room behind the Cirque Bar and Grill. For those of you visiting Snowmass a decade earlier, the Cirque was a timber mill restaurant in the 90s, but it was much bigger. At some point, the timber mill was partitioned to make a giant locker room for the school in the back and a smaller restaurant in the front. As I was saying, somehow I got into the locker room and was soaking in every poster and sign on the wall. It must have been after four because the instructors working that day were already gone and the place seemed empty. All I could think was, I'm a snowmass snowboard instructor and I didn't consider where I was going to sleep that night. All of a sudden, a voice shouted from the other end of the locker room and asked what I was doing. At first I froze, thinking I shouldn't be doing whatever I was doing. But after explaining, I just got hired and was looking around, I added, I don't have a place to stay. Can I sleep at your house tonight? The guy was a longtime instructor and offered me his couch. Years later, that guy got into some trouble, so I'm not going to mention his name here. But we were friends back then, and I appreciated his kindness. He actually got me into another job with the company that winter, but that's a story for another episode. I also couch surfed a lot at Matt's place in Glenwood Springs. Matt was in my hiring group and knew the valley much better than I did. He had a few roommates, including a guy called Hippie. I never did learn his real name, but he was the nicest guy. With a name like Hippie, would you imagine anything else? Training started a few days, maybe a week after the on-snow interview, and I was still looking for a place to live. I never had to sleep in my car, because every day I'd meet new people and ask, Can I sleep on your couch? This worked for the two weeks it took to find a place. In those days, social media didn't exist, so I couldn't check Facebook for rental options. All I had were the classified sections in newspapers, like the Aspen Times or Aspen Daily. Just saying this out loud makes it sound like the dark ages of civilization, and I'm only talking about 2002. But we didn't have smartphones or the connectivity like today, so it was a challenge. Of course, housing has always been a challenge in the valley. In 2002 and in 2022, Snowmass is a tricky place to live. I remember answering a couple listings in the paper with mixed results. One place was a house just a few blocks away from the Silver Queen gondola in Aspen. The room being rented was a sunroom off the main area with glass doors and little privacy. I don't remember the price, but it was twice as much as I could afford. Another place I looked at in Aspen was near the Smuggler Trailhead. This one was the standalone locker room for a handful of tennis courts. You heard that correctly, a locker room. You can't make this up. (laughs) I remember walking in there, and it's December, so it's cold outside. But it's also cold inside. The locker room was all cement. 
I'm looking around thinking, oh my God, is this it? Is this where I have to live? Thankfully, no, I didn't live there. But every time I see those tennis courts from the smuggler trail, I'm reminded of it. I haven't been there in 20 years, but I assume it's the exact same inside. I ended up finding a place to live in the Woody Creek area. This woman owned an employee housing unit off Jerba's Way and had a boyfriend living somewhere else, so she wasn't home much. I can't remember her name, but like most people around Snowmass, she was super nice and had a dog. So I rented her second room and slept on a comfy futon instead of the cement floor in a tennis locker room. I don't remember too much about her, but she played on the Mother Puckers hockey team. And with a name like the Mother Puckers, you can imagine she was a badass lady. The other thing I remember is her story about moving to town 20 years ago for one winter, staying for the summer, and never leaving. I think of her and that story often because now it's my story. I moved here for a winter just to try it out, and I'm still here 20 years later. So now I have a place to live, and training's already begun. The same then as it is now, every new hire goes through 40 hours of paid training, mostly on snow with some indoor meetings. And, God bless me, I wore that Tigger suit for every hour of on-snow training. At the end of every day, the Tigger tail would be a clump of ice from getting dragged in the snow. The Snowmass Ski School has the best trainers in the world but I don't remember any details from new hire training. We must have gone over teaching models and progressions and stuff like that, but I was just happy to be there. I do have one memory of a trainer that probably happened later in the season, but I'll share it now. While snowboarding at another mountain called Highlands, I ran into a trainer named Rich. We ended up being friends, but at the time I was awestruck when he invited me to take a lap. We started down a run in an area called Deep Temerity through tight trees on a steep pitch. I was laser focused on not falling and thought, whoa, I'm actually keeping up with him. And remember, I wasn't the best snowboarder at the time, so I was stoked. When we got to the bottom, or at least a stopping point, I was grinning ear to ear and we were both panting. I said something like, oh man, that was hard. And Rich goes, I know, doing it switch was fun. Cue the record scratch. If you don't know, riding switch means riding backwards or your unnatural way. So while I was keeping up with him and thinking I crushed it, he was doing it all backwards. It was one of many humbling experiences over the years. Rich it really is a great guy, and I see him around town from time to time. At the end of the training period, I went through two audits. The first one was called a silver audit, and that's where a new hire shadows an experienced instructor. Basically, you get to experience a real lesson, but you aren't responsible for the students. The second one is called a golden audit, and that's where you, the new hire, is assigned a group and an experienced instructor shadows you. I don't remember who did my golden audit, but I remember the students. Four teenage girls, all beginners. I was close enough in age to relate to them, and we really had a blast. I passed the golden audit and continued to teach the group for the rest of the week. Over the next three to four days, the girls progressed from the beginner slope to green runs, and I wanted to try a new run on their last day. We got on an old two-person chairlift that went over the run called Funnel, where the gondola is now. It was slow and rickety and provided the old school experience. At the top of the chairlift, there were two ways to get down, 
First, you could go down the funnel headwall, which has a steep blue pitch before it mellows into a green. Or second, you could take funnel bypass, which is a winding road that skips the steep section and spits you out on the mellow section further down. I thought the girls were ready for funnel bypass, and they were, but I didn't realize you could take a wrong turn. So we started heading down funnel bypass, and instead of zigging to the left toward Laurel Funnel, we zagged to the right toward Two Creeks. Two Creeks is another base area far from the, the main part of the mountain. The girls could also handle the terrain going down Two Creeks, but the run is much longer with a long, flat road at the bottom. And for new snowboarders, flat roads are extremely difficult. At first, I didn't realize what happened. But once I did, I thought, you know, this is okay, we can handle it. But I just didn't factor in how flat it got. Toward the end, we alternated between trying to snowboard and just walking. Of course, I'm freaking out internally because we're going to be late and I have no way of calling ahead. Remember, it's 2002 and cell phone technology wasn't as great as it is now. The entire time I'm trying to stay positive with these girls and, to their credit, they stuck with me. I could see their energy fading, but we were a team. We eventually made it to the bottom and took a shuttle back to the main part of the mountain. We checked in with the snowboard coordinator, Susan, and I was super apologetic. But all Susan said was, you're okay, just call from the base of Two Creeks next time so I know you're coming. I thought I was going to be fired, and that's all she said. Susan and I ended up working together for many years and became close friends, but at the time, I was stressed. So that was my first lesson. That's where it all started. And the fun part is, I kept in touch with those girls over the years. Whenever one visited, we would take a picture and send it to the others. And the coolest part is one of those girls became a snowboard instructor at Buttermilk a few years ago. I can't take any credit, but I love knowing one of my first students fell in love with the sport so much that she moved to the mountains to be an instructor. If you haven't noticed, everyone in my stories is super nice, and they tend to stick around. This is definitely Snowmass's greatest asset, the people. But you probably need to experience it to believe it. In the next episode, I'll tell you about where the Tigger suit came from, forgetting my birthday, and when people stopped calling me Jason. Until next time, stay healthy and be excellent to each other.